You are listening to the Balmetto State Podcast, where we have conversations about all things basketball with a South Carolina flavor. Let's get started and tip off this episode with your host, the head basketball coach at Westwood High School, John Combs. Welcome to the Balmetto State Podcast. Today on the show, we are joined by SCBCA Hall of Fame member, Coach Ronnie Dupree. Over the summer, Coach Dupree retired as a head boys basketball coach of West Ashley High School, marking the end of a 38-year Hall of Fame coaching career. For the past 33 years as a head coach with stops at James Island and West Ashley High Schools, Coach Dupree's teams racked up 614 wins, which places him in the top 10 all-time of SCHSL career wins. Coach Dupree's first trip to the 4A state title game came in 1991 and resulted in a tough one-point loss to a very good Irmo team. But the very next year, his 1992 James Island basketball team won the 4A state championship over Irmo by one point. Anytime we've ever asked something from Coach Dupree, he's always been more than willing to help serve, grow, and improve the game of basketball here in South Carolina. Coach Dupree is simply one of the most respected coaches in our state. Coach Dupree, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you having me on. Well, Coach, thank you for coming on today. Um, you know, this is kind of a bittersweet moment. I know recently you announced your retirement from West Ashley High School. And t- tell me a little bit of your thoughts about that. Uh, well, John, the uh, the teaching coaching aspect is going to is going to be a real challenge for for everyone this year with the different schedules caused by the, the COVID-19 virus and uh, all the online and all the the uh, restrictions that are involved in terms of coaching and all the the, uh, the, the measures that have to be be made with, uh, you know, keeping everything healthy and clean. And I just felt like the, there wasn't enough time in the day without cheating either the students, which I certainly did not want to do, or cheating my team, which I didn't think I could afford to do as well, to keep them competitive. Uh, I just I just a little uncomfortable with all that was going to be required from the teacher and the coach. So I decided it was time to step away. Well, Coach, I, I have it down that you were 33 years as a head coach, 614 wins, which I, I did a little bit of math, and that is between 18 and 19 wins on average per year, that that is absolutely uh, incredible. Tell me, what's your story and what got you into coaching? Well, I I grew up. Uh, my dad was a coach in high school, and then uh, I started coaching uh, my younger brother in recreation and in middle school basketball and baseball uh, when I was in early twenties, and it was just kind of it was kind of just bred in me really we just we were a family that that really liked sports so uh, I, I uh, right out of college uh, I actually accepted a 1a girls job at Tomasi Salem High School up near up in the mountains and up where I'm from near Clemson uh, they had just graduated three 1,000 point scores and their coach longtime successful guy Bill Hines had retired so uh, I, I decided to jump on that, and little did I know what it would be to follow a legend plus lose 3,000-point scores in the same year. Uh, and I actually never – I practiced them a couple times in the summer. But then um, I, I, I never coached a game for them because later in the summer, Tim Whipple-Armo, the athletic director at the time was Joe Turbyville, he knew of a family – a mutual family friend, and uh, he recommended me for the job. Tim interviewed me over the phone, never met me, gave me an opportunity to be his B-team coach, and uh, I was an assistant at Irmo for five years. And I actually never took the girls' job. Uh, had to back out of that and became Tim's assistant for five years, which uh, was just an absolutely invaluable experience. Tell me, what are some things that you think you took from uh, Coach Whipple during those five years? Uh, everything, <laughs> everything that I could, John, um, from, uh, from the very, uh, top of the program down to the very minute details of how to run a basketball program. 
I learned from the best. Um, you know, he, he was just so thorough in everything he did from practice to game preparation to preseason to postseason conditioning to uh, summer workouts, how to treat players, how to run a program. Um, it, it was just it's just a great experience. And, and, and for me, I was trying to soak everything up at the time. And um, not that I still do everything that, that I did when I first started, got my own head coaching job, but uh, I learned uh, all the ins and outs of how to run a basketball program from, from top to bottom. And, and I, I owe much of the success that, that uh, I've been able to have to Tim in, in the background and in the five years that I spent there. I would say all the coaches I've been around and had the great fortune of doing that, Coach Whipple is so meticulous when it comes to practice planning. Um, it, it's really unbelievable to me how much time he, he spends on that. And I just think he does a phenomenal job of it. He, he really does. And, and, and funny you mentioned that, John. Uh, I, as I was cleaning out my office a few weeks ago, uh, I still have practice plans from the mid-80s. Uh, that, that he uh, had written and because uh, I was a varsity assistant along with the uh, B team and the JV coach um, and also his, his little, uh, the little handbooks and things that he put together I, those things I kept and referred to over over the you know the past uh, 35 years or so so uh, yeah it, it, he is very meticulous and knew exactly what he wanted to get accomplished and in most days those things got accomplished what who are some other coaches or other people have had some uh, great influence on you as a coach? Um, over the, over the years, um, I've, I've always liked going to college uh, practices as much as I could in, in the preseason. And uh, would try to pick up things from, from different coaches here and there. Uh, some of the coaches were, you know, more famous than others. Uh, some of the best that, that I've ever seen in terms of practice were uh was skip prosser uh was really good i spent some time at wake forest um and, and rick barnes was had ran really good practices and uh doug wojcik at the college of charleston was a fabulous practice coach some that people probably aren't quite as familiar with is uh billy harrian who was at east carolina who's now up at east at uh, new hampshire and I actually spent some time out west uh, uh, w- with Rick Majerus when he was at Utah for a, 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 a week or so, uh, just watching and, and practicing and, and, and learning from him. So those guys, all those guys, uh, you know, I took something, a little something from each one of them. I had the chance one week to work the Utah basketball camp when Coach Majerus was out there. That was he was something else. He was. <laughs> the, the whole, really, Salt Lake City area was, it, it's unlike any other place in the country I've ever been before. Same here, exactly. And uh, his practices were incredible. How how uh, into, you know, we, we talk about Tim, very detailed. Uh, Rick Majerus was just uh, unbelievably detailed with, with footwork and just every little thing uh, that, that you could think of with a, a of the basketball game, a basketball player, he could tear it apart uh, just by watching it in, in a split second. I mean, uh, his mind was incredible. Oh, there's there's no doubt. Now, as a coach, what are you most proud of as, you, as your time as a head coach? Uh, well, I, I think um, probably the the most uh, proud of things that I am is, uh, you know, I. It is. I, I feel like uh, whether the, it's not about how good the player is, whether he went on to have a successful college or our pro career, is just the, the fact that the players have gone on to be successful, whether it be in business or in the military or it could have been in basketball and helping take, you know, helping kids uh, reach their goal, maybe accomplish something that uh, they didn't think they could uh, take, you know, have them. Uh, get to a point where maybe they they feel like they overachieved from uh, from from where they started those are things that you know that uh you know, i'm kind of probably most proud of yeah, oh absolutely well 
What are some of the best players you've coached against? Do you have any players that just they stick out in your mind that they're just really good? Oh wow! Um, I would say probably over the years, the best players I probably coached against were maybe Jermaine O'Neal. A lot of those Eau Claire guys uh, were were really good. We we played them when they had Bud Johnson, and then Thaddeus Delaney was obviously very good. Uh, we played the Marlboro County team when they had uh, Rashawn Dickey, who went on to play at Georgia Tech. Um, as I, when I was an assistant at Irmo, uh, we played in one of the early Arby's Classics in Tennessee, really before it became such a uh, you know an outstanding tournament. It was a good tournament back then, but before it became so renowned. And we played a guy, kid named Michael Porter who ended up playing up at St. John's. That was really good. I, I bet Tim probably still remembers him as well. Yeah, I mean those. And, and Melvin Watson also. Yeah, I forgot Melvin. Don't leave him out. He yeah. plays down down in Charleston at Burke High School. What are are there some games? What what are the games that you remember the most? Is there some games that you just stick with you? Well, um, I, I left Irmo and became head coach at James Island, and then um, after my fourth year, we were fortunate enough to make it to the state championship game and we played Irmo and um, we played an unbelievable first half and we got up double figures, me and making every shot. Then in the second half, they started winning it away and you could see, you know, you could kind of tell you that they were going to, they were going to overtake us or they were going to get caught by the time, but they hit a shot uh, with less than five seconds to go and beat us by one. The following year, we had we played them again in the state championship. Uh, we weren't as good as our previous team, and probably weren't quite as good as their team was, but we were able to uh, edge them out for the state championship game. So probably had we won that first year, I doubt we would have made it back to the second year, but by, by losing to them that first year in 91, you know, uh, our kids were, you know, felt like they were missing out on something and really had a great season and were able to win the, win the state in 92. At, at West Ashley, probably the game that stands out the most is that we had a team that was ranked in the top two or three. Uh, in 2010, we had um, Matt Kennedy, who later became a, a, a really good player at uh, Charleston Southern, and uh, Demontre Edwards, who played at Tennessee. Um, and we ran into a red-hot North Augusta team in the first round of the playoffs. They hit something like 12 out of 15 threes, and they were, and they got way up on us. We fought back, got within a basket, but but couldn't uh, couldn't pull it out. And the team that that team was probably good enough to make the state championship game. I don't remember who won the state championship that year. Probably Gaffney. And I don't again. I don't know if we were good enough to be Gaffney, but we were certainly good enough to make the state championship. And uh, and we fell short. We just ran into a buzzsaw that night. If I'm hearing you right, that one still bothers you a little bit. Or, or... Yeah, that one that one bothers me. Anytime anytime I talk to any of the players, this was 2010. That that's that's the thing they'll, they'll always remember. You know, they'll they'll mention that constantly. Well, when you have another team hit as many threes and shoot at a high percentage <laughs> like you, I mean, that's just one of those nights. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I. I'm still bothered by, I guess it was 2007 or 2008 when we ran into A.J. Green going to Somerville and he had 33 on us in the third round of the playoffs. I mean, that one certainly still sticks yeah, with yeah. me a, a little bit. But, you know, when you run And then into- another, another game that, uh, that actually kind of indirectly involved you was, uh, I think, 2000, maybe 2011. Uh, we we lost a, a game at Lexington where we hit a shot at the buzzer and uh, it put us it w- had it counted it would have been we would have been up one uh, and they you know they they reviewed it not how, how you can review it you know as much as you can in a high school game and uh, then disallowed the basket and then I think y'all ended up playing them in the little state championship and advancing to the state if I'm not mistaken. No, that that's correct. Was that, was that 2011? That was 2011. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember. Yeah, I remember the first two state championships you're talking about, the '91 and '92. Those were actually the first two state championship games I've ever 
attended in person. And I, I remember those times really well. Now tell me when you were coaching in those state championship games, how, how nervous were you or were you nervous at all? Yeah, John, I was, and but yeah, you know, I, I get nervous, you know, at any game actually. Um, the, the second one was, was probably a little more nerve wracking because we, we got a lead again, but it wasn't as big as the first game. And then they started coming back again. So, you know, as, as a coach, you know, you're just trying to reassure your players, you know, to put last, you know, get last year out of your mind. This, this is a different year. But in the back of my mind, I was actually saying, oh, here we go again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you try not to convey that, that uh, concern to your players. Was it any different for you since you were playing against Irmo and Coach Whipple? It pro- it was, uh, you know, uh, um, I remember saying at the time it, before the game, it, you know, if because uh, I had just left a few years earlier, saying, and I'd coached some of the players in the in the uh, uh, like Pat Marshall was on my B team, and several of the kids I'd coached um, at, at a younger age and on, on the camps and so forth. I said I'd be, you know, I'd be happy either way. If Tim won, I'd be happy. Uh, if I won, I would be really happy. But uh, you know, it, once once a game once a game gets going, you really don't realize who's on the other side a lot of times. Yeah. It. Um, what is something? Let's think about maybe early in your coaching career, but over time, you realized uh, it's maybe not as important. You maybe place a lot of emphasis on it. Um, could be something tactical or something philosophical that you realized over time just isn't that important. Um, I think uh, over time uh, you, you, you realize that um, plays and offenses and, and, uh, and maybe some defenses aren't the total, the, the total package that you might, feel like you have to know and, and be prepared for when you're a younger coach. You realize it's more about kids buying in, uh, willing to make sacrifices, willing to be unselfish, willing to play together. And uh, I think those things kind of rise to the top, whereas the actual X and O's part may take a little backseat to those things. I don't think uh, as a young coach I knew that. You know, I feel like as I as – I, grew older and more experienced I realized that uh, those intangible things really played a big role and the fact you know I mean basketball is a game of, of making making shots no matter what, uh, what you know offense or defense you play you're gonna there's gonna be some games like the, probably like that North Augusta game I mean we've had games where we've made a lot of shots and it would have been very difficult for the other team to beat us just because that's the way we played that particular line. I think you have a couple of those, those games a year, and you probably have a couple on the other side where, you know, you, you seem to do everything right, but, but uh, the ball will go in the basket. So it's, it's a game of, of making shots, obviously. But I think over – over, if I were to uh, – if, if I could start back over, I would probably de-emphasize some of the X and O's part and emphasize more the uh, buy-in, the culture of the team – and uh, the chemistry aspect of it. How would you like to, how do you like to try to get to know your players or to get that buy-in to what, you know, you're trying to do? Well, you know, um, I think it's, I don't want to say it has to be done this way. The the way I I felt like I was able to do it the best was to have a one-on-one conversations with the players. Uh, where they they feel comfortable opening up to you, and you can kind of see where they're coming from, from a, a background standpoint, and also from a mental standpoint. Uh, you know, we don't, we, you know, there's a lot of human nature involved in, in being, uh, being willing to uh, be an unselfish player. It's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do to be happy with someone else's success whether they're on your team or they're not on your team, but, but you can kind of, you know, you can, you can dig a little bit into a, to a player's uh, mindset 
with some personal conversations and, and, you know, some, sometimes some, some kids just, you know, they, they can't buy in, they can buy in the best they can, but it might not be what you want. Uh, but I think you have to do it kind of, at least I had to do it more on a one-on-one basis. Do you feel like players are different today than maybe they were in the eighties or nineties, or you have to explain more. You can't lead from just from a, a role of authority or, or is it, or is that overblown by people today? No, I think, I think, uh, you're, you're exactly right with that question. Uh, I think things are different today. Uh, I think it, it uh, filters down, uh, from, um, the NBA and the college to, to the high schools, uh, you know, the, like at the college level that, you know, the transfer portal is eight or 900 deep, maybe even more than that, you know, kids, you know, uh, meet a little resistance and uh, a lot of them, you know, choose to, to relocate or bail out as opposed to, you know, getting down to work and earning their position and earning their minutes, whatever the case may be. I think it's kind of uh, done that in high school. There's a lot more movement in, at the high school level. Uh, from players to school to school. Um, uh, and I, again, I think that's kind of a, a reflection of, of what they've seen at levels above them. When I say Charleston basketball, what what do you think of? Um, I, when, I, when I think of Charleston basketball, I think of speed and athleticism. Um, a lot of teams press and play man-to-man. Uh, I, I don't think, um, where the, the area is produces the skill level of players that, that may be produced at in the other parts of the state, like the Midlands or the upstate. But I think the athleticism kind of, uh, is what, uh, the teams here may possess a little more of. Than, than than some of the other areas in the state. I know the Midlands is very strong uh, in terms of skill level. A lot of really good players there, and uh, and the Greenville area has gotten a lot better as well over the years. Uh, I think Charleston's kind of t- taken a backseat uh, to both of those areas. You know, I have done you was thirty three years as a head coach, um, and I believe it's all at James Island and West Ashley. Is that correct? Correct. 14 at, at James Island and uh, 19 at West Ashley after my five years at Omaha. Now, are, are, have you been the only coach in West Ashley history so far? Actually, uh, the schools merged uh, one year prior okay. uh, to, to when I got there. Sam Mead, who was a, uh, he's in the Hall of Fame at the College of Charleston, was a coach at Middleton High School, and he took over uh, West Ashley the first year. Okay. And then I came over after that. And you're 614 wins. I've just checked. Look like it places you about uh, seventh, eighth, or ninth in all-time wins in um, South Carolina high school league history. That, that, when you hear that, what do you think of? Well, first of all, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, and well, it's nice of you to look that up. Um, you know, that's that's a that's a you know, I'm proud of that uh, that number and the recognition and. And being in the Hall of Fame with guys like uh, from the Charleston area, Paul Rooney and Earl Brown, and then from this, you know, uh, George Glimp and Bailey Harris and Tim and, and some of the others, uh, you know, I, I hate to mention names because I'm invariably leave out some really good coaches, but um, it, it it really it's it's more important to me. It kind of sounds corny that uh, the the relationship I have with players, um, you know. Some of my some of my best friends are, are guys that I coached, you know, 20, 25 years ago. You know, and and just seeing kids, um, just seeing kids that be successful. Like the other night, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a Zoom call as after right after retiring, and we had about fifteen guys who, who played for me at James Island. We we stayed on the we stayed on the zoom call for three and a half hours. So, you know, just, just those kind of relationships really mean a little, uh, mean a lot to me as more so than the, than the 600 wins. Although I don't want to dismiss those because that in, in doing so, I, you know, that, that I don't want to minimize the contributions that other guys made, you know, to, to make those wins possible. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's about the kids that, uh, 
that you coach and the relationships you build. And you try to, you know, always tried to, to have a program that the school could be proud of, the community could be proud of, and that to develop young men, young, young kids into to successful young men and good husbands and good fathers. It, you know, it didn't bat a thousand though, John. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's, there's some that didn't, didn't work out, but uh, I'm really proud of, you know, of the, of the players that, uh, that really bought in and, and did the best they could. And, and now are, are reaping the results of, uh, being good teammates. Well, I believe I can speak for you know, a lot of high school coaches. I haven't had, I haven't heard one single negative word about you as a coach. Everything's always been classy, first class, and then you know, in this profession, that's rare. I mean, you know, you hear people say different things, but you've certainly done a been a great ambassador uh, for our sport. And I, I know any time that I've reached out to you to ask for help with anything, just from me personally or with our basketball coaches association. You've always done a fantastic job and willing to help, and we certainly uh, appreciate that. And that kind of leads into the next question. You know, for younger guys getting started who are wanting to become head coaches, what, what kind of advice would you give to them? Well, uh, first thing I, I would do is I would tell them, you know, to uh, they got to develop a philosophy in which, in which they think uh, can best you know, produce successful results on the court. And then in, in doing so, have a system and not in the, in my, in my mind, a philosophy and a system might not be the same because some years you may have uh, you know, more experienced kids or bigger kids or smaller kids quicker so forth. Uh, and then uh, develop those. Uh, you're going to hear this from everybody. You got to be yourself because I think when pressure situations come, whether it be in a game or, uh, in practice or in, in, with administration, you know, your, your personality is going to come out. So it's really difficult to fake it. You know, players can read through you. So just be yourself. I've also, you know, I always thought that you need to, to get along with the, the opposing coaches. Um, I never looked at it as a, as a me versus you. Uh, whenever, you know, we played, we played you a couple of times over the, over the years. Um, I know you came down a few years ago and played in our tournament. We played in the playoffs once or twice. It was never me versus you. Uh, you know, it was, it was our team versus your team. Uh, you faced the same challenges I did on a day-to-day basis with your guys. I'm sure you wanted them to to be good students and be good ambassadors and treat the teachers and their, their fellow students with respect and, and, and be classy and same thing on the court. I did too. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, so, so your challenges were the same as mine. So, you know, we battled for the 90 minutes that we were out there. But uh, after that, you know, uh, we're, we were partners in trying to get the same thing accomplished. So I, get along with the uh, with all your co- with your opposing coaches. Uh, I think that it's important to get along with officials. Uh, uh, little little story. I had my my second game as a head coach. Uh, we're playing down and down here and we weren't great and the team we were playing wasn't either and it, i thought one of the officials felt like our game didn't deserve his best effort and uh i, I told him that after after the game you know that i just didn't think he really cared and try and then later the the, the other coach told me he said well one thing you want to you don't want to do is you don't want to get on this guy's bad side i, I said well i wish i'd have known that about 15 minutes ago <laughs> But I think it's important to to uh, to get along with the officials, and uh, I think at the, in, at the uh, inside the school building, I think it's important that the teachers, uh, your faculty members, know that uh, what you're trying to do uh, is going to reflect good on the school, and that you're you're uh, you you seek their help and input on anything that uh, can make. Uh, your life a little easier in terms of coaching the player and you were there to help them when that player was a student in their class. So I think if you can just get along with, with people that that's a really a good start. Have you ever thought about, did you ever think about uh, coaching college basketball at all? When I was younger, I, I did John, um, you know, back, back then it was, uh, probably a little easy not it wasn't it was never easy but it was a little um more um 
fathomable to, uh, to, for a high school coach to go to college. But then I thought, then, you know, a couple of them, not necessarily basketball come to mind, but, um, I know Jerry Faust was a coach, uh, really successful high school football coach and they kind of flopped at Notre Dame. And I don't know if that kind of scared ADs off from really looking into the high school ranks, you know, to get a, to get a coach. But I know that, uh, I know, and, and I'm sure you've coached against plenty of people as well that you know that if they, that they, if they uh, had a college job, they would have done an outstanding job at the, at the love at that level. Um, because there's a lot, there's a lot more. I don't want to say it's harder than a college assistant in particular, but it's a very difficult doing high school with teaching and coaching and managing young guys like that. It's, it's it can be a it can be a challenge. So I, I, I I'm not sure some college assistants could do what high school coaches do uh, at the level that they do. That's just an opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to. When, when you left Irmo to become the head coach at James Island, you talked about being yourself. When, when you went to James Island, did you try to recreate Irmo at James Island, or did you have your own set of philosophies, or did you borrow some? How, how did you try to make that transition? For the most part, I was probably 27. We did things like James Island did, um, even though – it probably didn't suit our talent level the best at the time, but that's what I knew. So I coached what I felt comfortable with. Uh, and, you know, we use the same number and system. I still do the same number and system we used at, at Irmo um, and a lot of the same defenses and, and some of the same sets as well. But uh, as, as I, as I got more experienced and, felt more comfortable with our players and, and watched their strengths versus some of the things we did at Irmo. I changed a little bit and uh, had a little bit different style, now that, a little bit different system. But, again, the philosophy was still the same, you know, take good shots, defend, make, uh, defend and rebound. And uh, that, that was kind of my philosophy, whereas uh, – over the over the years, we've been able to maybe play faster than say Irmo did at the time, and not that they don't play fast now, but back then they didn't play real fast. Um, so I've changed a little bit over time, but to start with, it was just it was kind of almost that. Tell me your thoughts on social media and, and how do you believe has impacted high school athletics? Uh. I think over, I think it's like a lot of things, uh, young people just need to be taught what's appropriate and what, uh, doesn't need to be on social media that, that not to say that they're not going to make mistakes, but it's something that's not going to go away. So I think it's kind of futile to try to fight it. Uh, I don't think uh, as a high school, I never felt as a high school coach, I could do like, some college coaches do and prohibit, um, you know, the use of social media during the season. I think it's important. It's just important to let the kids know that, you know, um, be careful of what's sent out. Uh, you got, you got people in college staff that are monitoring this if you're being recruited. So there's, there's a lot of harm that can come from, from it. The, you know, the, the positive is probably just a, just a, you know, a fun experience. Whereas the negative side of it can be, you know, really career altering can be damaging for, for some, for someone, but I don't think you can change it. Not now from a, from a, a coach's standpoint, especially with the print media, like it is today, it's, it's vital, you know, to get information out there to promote the team, to promote the player, to promote a game, uh, it, it can really be a valuable tool. But it also, uh, if, if not uh, monitored, it can cause some problems. But it's not going away. So no, you're certainly right about that. Do you do you think South Carolina high school basketball should have a shot clock? Um, 
Actually, I don't. Um, mainly from the from the aspect that uh, it's an added expense. Uh, it's difficult, you know, sometimes to get enough people to uh, do your clock and scorebook and all that. Although, and but then I've also heard it may be, you know, a state official that that does it. We we've we've had shortages in uh, officials and JV officials. And, and things here, and I and I've talked to the head of the head of the official association down here, and, and you just just can't find enough officials. So I don't think uh, I don't I don't think we have enough people to actually do it effectively. Also, at the college and the pro level, if there is a problem, they can go back to replay and you know and, and kind of dissect the play a little bit to see if it needs to be reset or or whatever. Obviously, that's not possible in high school. And if something were to go wrong, let's say in a PE class, somebody breaks, the, accidentally slings a ball and breaks the, the shot clock. I don't know how long it would might take for a maintenance to get out to repair it. Um, so to me, the negatives outweigh the positives. I know it's, it would be valuable for kids that are going on to college to play, you know, to be uh, used to playing with it. Um, but, I don't. I don't think over a course of the season that too many possessions would, would uh, be affected by it. Quite honestly, yeah. It uh, you kind of touched on this earlier, but what was your philosophy and how you handled officials? And what you know, what would you? I know you said get along with officials. I mean, that's. That- I think as I, as I was a as a younger coach, I was on a more about every you know every little thing. Um, but over over time, uh, I felt like uh, I developed a much better relationship with them. And when they knew, and, and if they heard me say something or question a call, then they would take it more seriously than constantly just harping on every call. I think now, being an experienced coach, uh, they they would you know maybe uh, reevaluate. Not that they could change it, but they 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 may. Uh, look at it a little differently in that this guy never complains. And now he's call, he's saying something about this call. Maybe, maybe I should, should listen a little bit. Just, just, uh, just, I just feel like you know, over time that happened. No, I, w- I wasn't like that when I was there. When I was young. Do you remember your last technical foul you got? Yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, it was five years ago in the lower state finals against Irma. So many of these things come up against Irma. Uh, <laughs> which was the, my first, which was my first technical I ever got was against Irma. <laughs> Our Whipple's good. I thought Whipple's an issue. That's a common denominator in all this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a, we had a, a game in, in, at, uh, in Florence. And I felt like, uh, we had officials just from one area of the state that, uh, I had noticed a few years earlier just were real heavy on calling travels on everything. I was scout. We we were playing in a tournament. And I was scouting. Had some video of, of the teams we were playing. And I kept noticing these uh, this these officials just kept calling travels. And we went to the tournament, and it was the same thing. And uh, I even spoke to them at after during the tournament. I said, well, "What do y'all see that nobody else? I, I've coached in Columbia and Charleston. I grew up in the upstate." And nobody else calls travels like these. Well, it turns out in the upper state, I mean, lower state play, finals, we're playing, and this, the officials crew was from this area. I didn't know. I didn't pay any attention before the game, and we got we got hit with three or four travels early in the game that cost us some baskets. And so uh, later in the game, the game was out of hand. Um, they got called for a travel, the same kind of deal as we as we did in the first half, and and I was yelling at the official to to give them the ball back that that wasn't a travel either. Uh, so, uh, the other guy didn't appreciate it. But that was, that was probably the last technical I got. That's like five or six years ago. What do you think, what does us as coaches try to encourage people to want to become officials or to, to help improve that aspect of the game? Uh, I was talking to a, to a guy the other night. who's one of the better officials in the state. And he had just gotten back from calling some AAU basketball in Myrtle Beach, and he just said it wasn't worth it. That uh, 
the the just the verbal abuse that they take from mainly parents uh, that uh, you know the money that they make on those AAU tournaments weren't quite worth it. Man, then you then you put with the with a high school official, they're working all day, they're they're hurrying to get to the gym to get get to the to the game, and it's, it's really a I, I, I never really thought about it that much, but it's it's a huge sacrifice that they make uh, in their life for just a, you know, a minimal amount of money. Um, I would, I, I don't know what we could do as coaches, you know, other than, uh, than just really plead to our parents and, and players, uh, that, the, you know, not to complain as quite as much over every call, but again, you want, you watch NBA and I was watching the game last night and the best player on the court was, was complaining about every, every call and, every no call. And then was almost like begging to get a technical when he did get one. But, uh, I, I think, uh, I don't, I don't know I, I, if, if that's the driving force and what drives officials out, but I know there's a shortage in the Charleston area and it just might not be worth the abuse that they take. Yeah. I mean, my philosophy, I, I'm not proud of this at all. I know when I first started coaching, I would used to, I would have a parent meeting saying, well, I'm not going to say anything to the officials, but you can <laughs> from the stands. And, and yeah, yeah. over time, like you said, it's just not worth it. I mean, yeah. anybody that any official that says that they're doing it for the money, first of all, they probably need to get their head examined because they, they don't make that much money yeah. um, calling games. And, you know, I, 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 we need to do something to try to make it uh, more worthwhile for, for guys to want to call games because, um, you know, it's like you say, it's just simply not worth it. Yeah. You know, I think uh, when you go watch a, like a, when you go watch a football game, whether it's a high school, college game, you know, the people in the stands are so far away. Uh, everybody wants to be the coach, you know, punt, don't punt, run it, don't, you know, pass it, whatever. I think in a, in a confined gym area, everybody feels like they can be heard. They want to be the official. So, and, and it makes it it makes it difficult, um, but you know, I, I especially uh, I, I don't think they realize uh, what an impact it has on your kid either. And I, and I know that as a coach, if 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 you complain about every call, sometimes you do it just to you know plant a seed. But a lot of times, I think players kind of kind of start feeling like they're getting the short end of the stick sometimes, and uh, it just doesn't create a great environment. Do you did you ever have a a way that you handled players when they got technical fouls? Uh, it was mainly by it was mainly uh, by the by that player and the incident itself. Not really one thing in particular. Now there was punishment involved the next day of practice for anybody who did that, but uh, you know it, it kind of treated on a case by case basis. Tomorrow, we were to place. If we were to place you as a czar of the South Carolina High School League, what what's a change you would make, or what would you do differently? Hmm. I think something's going to have to be done about the number of transfers. Uh, they've tried a few years ago. They were really strict about uh, moving and re, you know relocating your residents then they kind of put a hand total hands off on it. then they tried it and it looks like they're trying to come back with that and then they met some resistance in court i try to try to figure out how we could get the the, the uh, transfer uh, under control and i think i would set a division i would have the divisions of the schools that were without attendance zones to have their own division. you know the teams that uh, are able to bring in players from all over the area uh, and have, let let them have their own division. I I think maybe somewhere down the line that may happen, but I don't know. Maybe one day we can get you as a czar and get that taken care of. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I might officiate. <laughs> how, how do you want to be remembered as a coach? Well, hmm. um, well, I think it, uh, it's different. Uh, Different categories, uh, John. I think first of all, uh, again, you you know, we're all teachers first. I would like to be known uh, and by the faculty as, as someone who's a team player, 
and who was looking out for every student that they had, not just the basketball players that I coached. Uh, I would like for my administrators to to be able to say, I know he, he, he tried to create a positive um, environment for our players and our school, produce a good product that we could, that they could be pop, they could be proud of and, uh, and uh, maybe help grow student morale and have community pride. Uh, I would like for my assistants to, to remember me as somebody who valued their time and effort and, and their inputs and, uh, and, and for the players, I, I would like for them to, to, um, know that, that I, what I wanted for them was what I felt was best in their best interest. And that, uh, I'm always there to help whether they're a player on the team uh, or on the bottom five and, uh, whether it was, whether they were on the team or, Later on, I think they feel like they could call on me. And if I could help, I would do it. If I'm not mistaken, you, you actually coached your son, Drew. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. How, how was that experience for you? It was, it was, uh, it was good. Uh, again, looking back on it, there would be some things that I changed. Uh, uh, he would, he was a good player for us. I would, uh, but I was probably harder on him than I was on other players. Um, uh, I may, I, you know, I think it's hard for, uh, the son of a coach, uh, you know, maybe when I'm getting on somebody, you know, he, he might feel a little, uh, apprehensive about me being hard on one of his teammates, you know, or un- uncomfortable about it. So it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but uh, I, I would, there would be some things I would do a little differently. Uh, again, I think I was probably harder on him than I was on, on, the, on uh, the rest of the team. But sometimes I, I've heard other coaches say the same thing. And I, I admire um, coaches who, who have their sons, and then you can't really, you can tell no difference. You know, there's, there's absolutely no difference in the way they treat player whether it's playing time or whatever the case may be but but there's there's uh there's certainly cases that you can see that and it's it's uh certainly admirable uh, there did be a few things i'd do differently but the, you know i'm one of these guys that, that that looks back on things and say you know i wish i would have played this defense more or played this player more or something like that so i, I always kind of evaluate always evaluated games and seasons you know, constantly in my head well, Coach, this has been really fun. I kind of want to end with probably about uh, five or six what I call rapid-fire questions, just a okay. couple of different things. What, tell us, what's, what's your favorite meal? Okay, uh, I'm, a, I'm a steak guy. Um, I like a good steak, and if you want to throw a lobster in there, I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> Who's one player you've coached against that, that you would have loved the opportunity to have coached? Mm, that was, let's see. That, you know, you every season you you, uh, you you see guys that you'd really love to have on your team. I, I would say one that I a uh, long time ago uh, and he played in the state championship against us, and it would, and people in the Columbia area would be familiar with would be Pat Marshall. I coached him as a young young kid as a, on the B team, but uh, his tenacity and uh, skill and competitiveness at the varsity level was was top notch. Who's one person you would love to sit down and have a meal with? One person. Wow. I really, uh, I really like uh, Steve Kerr. Just, uh, you know, not just from a basketball standpoint, but the way he uh, has kind of <clears throat> surfaced uh, in these times, it's these troubled times. Uh, you know, he's, you know, I value his opinion on, on different issues. Very thought provoking. He's very intelligent. Uh, I really would like to meet him. What's the toughest place that you've coached at, or toughest uh, opposing court, Jim? Opposing court. Um, this was back in with, with two. If you don't mind me giving two, um, Holly Hill Roberts, mm. which is now uh, Lake Mary, and they had a little cracker box gym. Uh, Willie Thomas was the coach there, so. 
they full court pressed and felt like there were ten guys on a on a court that's half the normal normal size. And also, uh, we played a couple of games at the uh, Rock Pit with George Glimp. He's coaching that. That was also a tough place to play. Didn't you meet them in, in in the playoffs in 92, 91 to advance to the state championship one year? Or yeah, we did. Uh, that, that's who we beat to to get to the uh, state championship was in ninety two, and then we actually played them uh, in the lower state championship probably three years later at at Dreer uh, High School when they had Bud and uh, Jermaine on the same team. What's your favorite place in Charleston to go? Uh, I really, I, don't, I really like uh, going to Kiowa Island. Uh, it's very relaxing. I'm, I love the beach and the breeze and the waves, and I can relax. I can think to you know get get a lot of thinking in or reading in or a little exercise. That's just a just a beautiful place uh, out there. That's that's where I really like to go when I have some time. Well, Coach, thank you again for your time um, for this. This has been fantastic. It was a great opportunity to get to know you better, and we're certainly very appreciative of how you serve basketball in the state of South Carolina. And um, once again, just thank you for your time and just thank you for being a great ambassador. Well, John, well, John I appreciate this opportunity. Um, I also like to thank you for um, for all you've done for basketball in the state. I, again, I hate to you know mention names because you invariably leave out somebody that's very important. But all the work that you and Mike Gossett and Greg Elliott and Paul Rooney and Tim Marsh, just to name a few, have done for the coaches' association, the All Star Games, the All Star Banquets, the, all of those things are first class and. Uh, Without without you and, and uh, your expertise uh, that that we all some of us older guys really needed to uh, and we leaned on you quite heavily. Uh, you did a fantastic job and and still do. So uh, again, I, I appreciate all you've done for the basketball in the state, and and you'll continue to do it. I'm sure. You've been listening to the Balmetto State Podcast. For our show notes and other valuable information, please visit our website at balmeadowstate.com. We would love to connect with you on social media and hear what you think. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by going to at Balmetto State. Thank you for investing your time with us.